You are listening to a podcast from Classic City Church. We're glad you've joined us. Our services are held at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 595 Prince Avenue in the Piedmont Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.classiccity.org. This is a sermon from Pastor Lee Mason. Good morning. Good to see you. If you have a Bible with you, turn to uh, the book of 1 Timothy. We're looking at chapter 3 of 1 Timothy. It's in the uh, New Testament, kind of toward the end. 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm going to, we're going to begin a a series uh, today. It's going to be a three-week series. uh, Real brief, hopefully hard-hitting. And we're going to call it um, uh, Christ nuanced. And what we've, um, what we've wanted to, to do uh, this fall with our church is we want to have some messages, and I think our board and our staff and talking about just our church, where we're going, what we want. We, one of the things we felt would be important to do is to sort of kind of build some foundations around what a church is and what particularly we want we see our church becoming. So if somebody's interested in our church, uh, you can just find, you can become clear about what we're about, what we're doing, what we believe, what we emphasize. And so we're doing that. And this series called uh, Christ, Christ Nuance is kind of uh, the way that came about is we, we understand that Jesus was God nuanced. And here, here's what I mean by that. Jesus was the eternal, infinite, immaterial God who became a temporal, finite, material human being. He was God, but he was nuanced. God had never been finite before. He had never been temporal before. He had never been material before, but he became that in Christ. He was God, but he was nuanced into a whole different thing. Now, after Jesus left, and Jesus we know as God, as this nuanced Uh, God in this nuanced form and shape. He was uh, proclaimed God's truth. He fulfilled God's purposes. And and he was God's presence uh, in a phenomenal way. Now, as he is gone, in a sense, the Bible calls the church. Anybody know one of the words the Bible calls the church? It calls us the what? There you go, body of Christ. And in in a sense, the church, in a sense, uh, is Christ nuanced. We are his presence. We are the, the uh, procurers of his truth uh, in the earth today. And so that's kind of the, the angle we're taking on it and uh, going to do that. So there's a verse here where Paul is talking about what a church is. And we're going to look at several of these in the next few weeks. But first, Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, it reads this way. Paul writes, although, and he's writing to a guy named Timothy. He says, although I hope to come to you soon... I am writing these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Beyond all question, the mystery from which godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh. He was vindicated in the spirit, was seen by angels was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, 
and was taken up into glory. Now, in the ancient world, when cities were founded, oftentimes they were founded to commemorate a great event or a great sacrifice somebody had made. The emperor would, would have the city ordered, he would have it structured, he would have it designed. And as the city was beginning, the first thing that would happen is a large stone would be laid out in what was to become the center of the city. And on that city would be inscribed in as short and as pithy a way as possible the event and the sacrifice or what moved the emperor to build this actual city. And then they would surround that stone with structures and edifices that would protect and enforce that founding uh, monument. Now, Paul is using this imagery, and he is saying that the, the church is founded. It is the foundation and the pillar and support of the truth. And then he lays out what is a, uh, back in those days, it was an Old Testament, it was a rather a, what they call a Christological hymn. It's a, a real uh, poetic, beautiful phrase that the early church used when it first began when the church was mostly Jewish and it first began, uh, when they were describing who Christ is and what, who he was, they would uh, write these passages called hymns. They were quick poems, quick songs, quick slogans that people could remember what their beliefs were. And Paul is referring to one of them here. And he says in it, it he, he describes the Christ event. He says, first of all, he appeared in the flesh. And he's basically affirming something we believe as Christians that Jesus Christ, as we said at the beginning of the sermon, he was the eternal, infinite, immaterial God becoming corporeal, becoming flesh, becoming human. So he was appeared in the flesh and then he was vindicated by the Spirit. And what that is talking about is his resurrection. That Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And in doing so, he was vindicated by God. In other words, when he was raised from the dead, it affirmed everything he said and claimed about himself. Now, imagine this today. In our politically angry world of America. Now, I don't care who you're, which side you lean toward. I really don't care. And I don't lean either way, if you need to know that. But just say, for instance, that either Barack Obama or Donald Trump with all, was killed. And all the, everything about him. And then three days later, they were raised from the dead. How would you feel if you were an opponent of one of them? You'd feel like, oh, shucks. <laughs> I might have been wrong all along, you know. And, and, and this is what it meant. We understand he was God in the flesh, but he was vindicated. He was authenticated by the resurrection. And then this hymn goes on, and it says he was, uh, he was proclaimed among the nations. 
And he was believed on in the world. And simply that is a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. Is that when he came, one of the things that would happen is this, the, the, the God of Israel, Yahweh, would become the God of the world. And that because of the Messiah, as he was proclaimed, the, the Gentiles in the entire world began to come to faith in Israel's God through him. And they were seeing that happen. And then it says he was beheld by angels. Literally that word beheld means he was worshipped. He was awed by angels. And he was taken up into glory. And, and that's what we believe as Christians. We believe that in Jesus, God became man. We believe Jesus was bodily raised from the dead and it affirms absolutely everything he taught and claimed. We believe that he is worshipped by angels, that he's ascended into glory. And we believe that he is being proclaimed in the nations and the nations now believing in him, as, it, as has happened for 2,000 years, is a fulfillment of what the Old Testament said would happen. That is what Christianity is founded on. It is founded on the event of Jesus Christ. It is not a religion about his sayings. It is not a religion particularly about any of that. It is primarily a religion that emerged from who he is and what he did in history. And there are true structures that are built around that event. And this is how Paul's describing the church, the pillar and the support of the truth. And as he's writing to this, this young preacher, Timothy, Timothy is in charge of churches in a really big city called Ephesus. There were several congregations all over the place. He's a young man, and what Paul is hearing about is that there's just some crazy teachings going on. There's some crazy stuff being taught. And he really wants Timothy, even he's young, he's kind of intimidated. He's going, Timothy, you've got to stand up to those guys. You've got to teach the truth. You've got to correct these things. And, and um, that's what he's really urging him to do. You know, it's very easy. You may have noticed. It's very easy for the church and for Christianity to kind of get off center. Anybody ever notice that? Anybody read a history book lately? Anybody <laughs> looked at church? You know, we get off center pretty quickly, don't we? And this is what was going on. And, and what Paul's doing is urging Timothy, hey, I want you to get these guys back on track. I want you to get them back on center. And, and, and what he does here is not necessarily just point out every error and sort of analyze what's wrong. But he wants to lay out what are the foundational truths of the Christian faith. You know, if it, when they're training counterfeiters to detect fake bills, they don't give them a thousand examples of fake $100 bills. They give the guys they're trained to be counterfeiters the real thing. And they tell them to rub it, to smell it, to look at it, to feel it, to examine it, to get immensely acquainted with what's authentic and then they'll be able to detect when something's fraudulent and this is what he's trying to get him to do you know, there's two kinds of errors that happen in Christianity one is called heresy anybody ever heard the word heresy heresy means something that is like like crucially not true it is like the opposite of what the Bible, it's, it's, it's just not true. It is anti-truth. 
But then there's another thing that, that creeps into Christianity, and I think this is something we're a lot more vulnerable. It's just sort of errant teaching. It's teaching that kind of gets off stray, kind of teaching that goes sideways. And there's a, there's a lot of versions of that. I've seen it as a minister for over 30 years, a lot of errant, wrong teaching. You know, one of the things that I remember uh, when, when I was a teenager that just emerged in Christianity and it got real popular was something called the prosperity gospel. Anybody ever heard that phrase, that word, the prosperity gospel? And, and simply what happened is guys were preaching and they noticed something in the Bible. They noticed guys like Noah. Noah in the Bible was very rich. And they noticed Abraham was very successful and Joseph. And they started seeing this string of Solomon and of all these people that were in the Bible that served God that were really blessed in exceptional ways financially. And so they came up with the thought that, therefore, everybody that follows the Lord is going to be prosperous and wealthy, and they're going to do really well. And they read a verse where Jesus said, if you give, it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running all over. And he said, people will give back to you a 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100 times as much. And so what these guys began to teach literally is that if you gave a gift, God would give you back a hundred times that amount. If you gave to the right place. And guess who was always the right place? Literally, this was taught. And again, it's something good. God does bless people. God does want to prosper people. But that's not, he doesn't. It isn't true for everybody. It doesn't happen every time. There's plenty of people that serve God and they lost everything because of their faith. It just wasn't an an honest truth. It was errant. It's straight. I I remember being uh, growing up in the in the 80s. There was this great movement to that America was a Christian nation, and and we were just we had we were we were just like Israel. We had been founded by God and we had strayed away from it. And you had all this stuff and you just got people off into silly land. And the number one thing a Christian ought to do is help elect good people into office. That was the number one job of every American Christian. And it was just off. And over and over again, you see a lot of off teachings. They're, they're good things that get errant, that, get, that stray aside. And, and Paul is just telling Timothy, hey, I don't want that going on. And I want to give us, he says, I want you to, to be I want you to be the pillar and the support of truth. The, the number one thing the church of Jesus Christ needs to do is stand for the truth. We need to know what the truth is. We need to articulate it, and we need to be like a guy being trained to be a counterfeiter. We need to get well acquainted with the foundational truths of the Christian faith. Now, what are the foundational truths of the Christian faith? Well, I want to just articulate five of them that I think are very critical uh, to, to spiritual health. And I will just tell this to you. If you can learn these five truths, become acquainted with them, implement them into your life, you will be healthy spiritually. Just telling you, these, these five. And these are the five truths that arose from the Protestant Reformation. If you remember history, the church strayed for years in the Reformation kind of brought it back to a a place of authenticity. 
And they identified five teachings in the Reformation that were critical to maintaining the authenticity of church. Let me give them to you real quick. They're, they're called the five solas. It's Latin for onlys or alone. Five of them. Now, here's the first teaching that is very critical to Christianity. Now, that first alone, the first sola, is called Christ alone. Christ alone. Let me read you the passage off the thing here. This is from Timothy. This is what Paul wrote. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all people. What he is teaching there is Christ alone. There is one God and there is one mediator, one go-between, one bridge between God and man, it is the man, Jesus Christ. And his death paid for the sins of all of mankind. We believe Christ alone. We do not believe Christianity alone. Christianity is a religion. We believe Christ alone. That salvation came through a human being in a real event that happened 2,000 years ago. And because of the significance of that event, all humanity can experience salvation. Regardless of your background, regardless of your religious background, regardless of your moral background, all of humanity can experience salvation. Christ alone. That is, our, our, that is a foundational belief. Now, here's a second one up here. Christ alone. The next one is what we call grace alone. This is a passage, again, from Timothy. He says, he saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches this over and over again. It's the unique teaching of Christianity. Salvation is by grace alone. Simply that means there is nothing you and I do to provoke God to want to save us. God saves us because he's good. It is all his work. He, he does it all. We contribute nothing to it. He does the whole work. Grace alone. Christ alone provides salvation. Grace alone is how it is offered. The next thing here is faith alone. This is, it, Paul just writes, it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works that no one should boast. So we're, we're saved by faith alone. If, if salvation is provided by grace, it's graciously given as a gift, the only way to receive it is by faith. The only way to receive it is by faith. You don't add to it, you don't accelerate it, it is totally a gift. When Jesus was asked a question, What's, what what was me do to work, work the works of God? He said, this is the work of God that you believe. He said, this is, this is works. This is all you believe. And what you'll find is that in Christianity, there, there's people will err in one of these, these things. A, a lot of times what happens is we'll say, yeah, we believe in salvation by grace through faith, but they don't believe in grace and faith alone. It's always add something to it. Oh, we believe in, but you have to be baptized in our church, our way, or you're not a Christian. 
Salvation by grace and faith alone. Oh, but you have to do this. You have to do this. And what it does, it empowers religion. It empowers control over somebody. When, when, When salvation is by grace through faith alone, it literally liberates a human being to freely, unconditionally follow Christ. And in that way, your life becomes worship. It's not obligation. It's not like you're earning something. It is, it is completely responding to a gift. So we have that faith alone. Here's the, here's the fourth thing that's critical. Scripture alone. This means that Scripture alone is the authority in my life. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we believe in Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone, but we believe Scripture alone is authoritative in our lives. Scripture alone. Now what that simply means is that if I'm a Christian and I'm a follower of Jesus and I want to be part of the church and we are the pillar in support of the truth, it means simply I'm living this out. That what's authoritative in my life is God's Word. What it says about how I treat my spouse is authoritative in my life. What it says about how I act, how I interact with people, what it says about resources and money, what it says about sex and sexuality, what it says about about your temper, whatever it is, it has authority in your life. When the Bible says, be angry but sin not, that's not a suggestion. It means you can feel like you feel, but you don't sin out of anger. When the Bible talks about sexual purity, it's not a suggestion. God's telling us these things. When it talks about generosity, when it talks about love, it is is authoritative in my life. Now, it is very important we understand that that what we're believing the Bible says, it actually says. I mean, you've got to take things in context. Things got to be clear. But what we believe is the Bible is God's inspired word. Paul says it is God's breathe. It is inspired by him, that he inspired men to write it. And because of that, it's author- it has authority in my life. And the last foundational truth that we have here is glory alone. Paul writes this. Let me read you a couple verses. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced of this. One died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all that those should live, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. And was raised again. What, what that verse is talking about is there was a controversy in the church over whether or not somebody should eat a certain kind of a food. And there was food that was offered to idols. And some Christians thought, oh, goodness, you're participating in idolatry. And other Christians said, oh, it's just a piece of steak. Give me a break, you know. And Paul was writing to him and saying, look, I don't, that's not a big deal. Here's really the big deal. It's not whether you do this or don't do that. What's the big deal is why. And this statement is, is a, a great moral governor for our lives as Christians. It's why. It's why. Christ alone. We live for the glory of Christ alone. That's what we're here for, to glorify him. So Paul's saying, look, I... I However you work out your own private morality and some of these issues that are opaque is fine. Just make sure you're doing it for God's glory. 
God's glory alone. He is the why of your decisions. Here's another verse, and it's really great. It's in Colossians, and it just talks about our lives. Um, Colossians 3.17, if that's up there. It's not up there. Okay, that's okay. Let me read it to you. I'll find it. Wouldn't be church if something go wrong here. Colossians 3.17, let me get this. Paul is writing to these people called the, the Colossians, and he just says this. It's really cool. I'll read some. This verse 15 says, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. Verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. And then verse 17, he says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know what he says is whatever you do in life. Do it for him. Do it for him. Do it for him. And this is, a, this is the foundational understanding of the Christian faith. There is a, the inscription, the Christ event. He came in the flesh. He was resurrected. It's worshipped by angels and ascendant, and his fame is going throughout the whole earth. And our, the truth built around that, that's what the church is to stand for, the truth. And these are the five truths that we want to emphasize. Christ alone, him alone. Salvation is found in no one else, Christ alone. That it's by grace alone. Everybody can experience it. It is the same for everybody. All humanity is the same before an almighty God. It's received by faith alone. Scripture alone is the authority in our life. And we live for God's glory alone. That is the basis, the truth basis, the pillars for what I believe is an authentic Christianity, an authentic Christianity. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the event of Christ and the wonder of it, what he did on the cross for us, who he was, that on that cross was not just a good man a religious man dying for a cause, but it was really God Almighty dying for the sins of humanity. We, we believe in the resurrection. We believe in everything that affirms you and your greatness and your wonder and your majesty. And Father, I pray these five foundational truths of Christianity. That salvation is from Christ alone. It's by grace alone. It's through faith alone. That scripture alone is our authority. And we live for the glory of God alone. Help that to be blazed in our hearts and our souls. That our church would really be you nuanced. That we would be the presence of Christ. We would be the message of Christ. The truth of Christ. And the purposes of Christ fulfilled in our city. 
and in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Classic City Church. We hope that together we can honor the greatness of Jesus by growing spiritually, living authentically, and participating in His purposes. For more information or more sermons from Classic City Church, please visit www.classiccity.org.